This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Nancy Benson. This week, the story of a black man who became an unwilling organ donor. His beating heart was removed and his kidneys were removed at the same time. And the heart was put into the chest of an ailing white man. The shocking history of the first heart transplant in the segregated South when Radio Health Journal continues. I'm Reed Pence, the producer and host of Radio Health Journal. If you like listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. One side will say, listen, people make a decision to come here illegally. What expectations should people have? What rights do they have? The 12 million undocumented immigrants who call the U.S. home. Then, when he said that on national television, but my hair was on fire because that's not an element that the government has to prove. The disparities when it comes to prosecuting white-collar crime. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. Listen to Radio Health Journal and Viewpoints on your favorite radio station. And subscribe and listen anytime on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Radio Health Journal. During the 1960s, the U.S. was in an all-out race to the moon with the Soviet Union. But few people remember there was another scientific race during that same time that the U.S. lost, the race to perform the first successful human-to-human heart transplant. The honors went to South African heart surgeon Dr. Christian Barnard on December 3, 1967. Today, about 3,500 successful heart transplants are performed annually worldwide limited only by the number of people who agree to donate their organs once they die. But in 1968, that didn't stop one transplant in the Deep South, when the beating heart of a brain-dead black man was harvested without his family's consent to be put in the chest of an ailing white man. Doctors touted the operation as Virginia's first successful heart transplant. It is quite strange, the historic intersection with this book that I started several years ago and everything that's been transpiring with Black Lives Matters. I think for me as a journalist, looking at this story of what happened to one man, Bruce Tucker, in May 1968, and how he had entered the emergency room at the large teaching hospital here in Richmond, Virginia, the Medical College of Virginia, I think that it took me on a journey into history, back into the actual foundation of American medicine. That's Chip Jones, author of The Organ Thieves, the shocking story of the first heart transplant in the segregated South. As a journalist based in Richmond, Virginia, Jones stumbled across a little-known local connection. I started looking at this story from 1968 about the role that two of the local doctors had played with the guy who won the heart transplant race, which was Christian Bernard from South Africa. And, of course, I'm old enough to remember his name because I was in high school 
when he was like on the cover of Life magazine, he was a superstar. You know, I always say he was kind of like Anthony Fauci meets Bill Gates. I mean, he was a major celebrity. Before performing his historic heart transplant, Jones says Barnard had spent three months at the Medical College of Virginia in Richmond studying heart transplant techniques with two American doctors, Dr. Richard Lauer and Dr. David Hume. That was more Dr. Hume who had recruited Richard Lauer from Stanford, and David Hume was definitely, he had recruited Lauer to win this race at MCV. If you read the book, you'll see how he pushed him. He kept saying, just do it, let's do it. And Lauer almost did the first heart transplant before Bernard and would have done it, but when he saw there was a blood mismatch between the blood types of the what would have been the recipient and the donor, he called it off, and much to Hume's chagrin and then they lost the race. And there was a feeling when the international news broke and the docs were being interviewed by both you know, local and national media, there was a feeling of real disappointment. They had missed the boat. They had missed their big reach at the brass ring of medicine. Nearly six months later, when Bruce Tucker wound up in the emergency room at the Medical College of Virginia with a head injury, the college had yet to perform such a transplant of its own. Jones wonders how much that fact influenced the decisions that were made that fateful day after Tucker entered the ER. He was conscious at that point. His vital signs were stable for someone with a head injury, but they were considered within a normal range. He soon lapsed into a coma, and he was treated for the head injury. The pressure on his brain was relieved through a drilling, was called a burr hole, and He seemed to be making some progress from the records I saw in the court record, but within less than 24 hours, the decision was made by the doctors at the hospital that he was not going to recover and that they were going to make him a donor of his organs, and that's the root of the story. And by 3.30 that afternoon, the next day, Saturday, of May 25th, 1968, the life support was ended and his beating heart was removed and his kidneys were removed at the same time. The recipient, a white man, survived the operation. Local newspapers touted Virginia's first successful heart transplant. But Jones noticed a huge omission in the article. There was no mention of the donor's name. Who was this guy whose name was left out of the paper and why didn't they talk about this guy named Bruce Tucker? Then the narrative shifted for me, and it became, yes, it is a book about the heart transplant race, but it's also a story of unraveling and digging up, literally, the secrets from how he was mistreated, how his family was mistreated, and then, as I said, historically, how black Americans for many, many, many decades and centuries were mistreated. Bruce Tucker was declared brain dead by the junior assistant medical examiner and the hospital staff claimed their attempts to locate Tucker's family were unsuccessful, even though Jones writes that Tucker's brother had called the hospital several times asking about his sibling. Ultimately, the Tuckers took the medical college to court, where the doctors were found not guilty of any crime. The trial has become a case study in medical ethics, one that Jones says intersects with today's Black Lives Matter movement. The current institution, which is now called VCU Health, what they are doing is figuring out how they want to respond to the book. So they have, for example, they put an explanation of a sort of apology on a story 
on the MCV Foundation website about Dr. Lauer. There was a very nice piece about Richard Lauer about three years ago, and they put an excerpt there to say that we apologize for the lack of consent to the Tucker family. The Medical College of Virginia turned down our request for an interview and referred us to their website. It reads in part, the foundation acknowledges with regret the controversy surrounding the lack of consent from Bruce Tucker's next of kin before his heart was used in the first heart transplant performed at MCV. The reality of this incident complicates the legacy of a medical breakthrough. The statement goes on to endorse the importance of learning from the past and honoring the dignity of all those they serve. This story obviously is not over. There's so many people have talked to me about the ongoing suspicions in the black community. Scholars have suggested that they think it's going to be hard for a COVID vaccine to be accepted, for example. So there's an ongoing issue about historical trauma. And with COVID-19 disproportionately affecting blacks, mistrust of a future vaccine couldn't come at a worse time. Chip Jones's book, The Organ Thieves, is available now. You can learn more about all our guests by visiting our website at radiohealthjournal.org. Our writer-producer this week is Polly Hansen. Studio production by Jason Dickey. I'm Nancy Benson. Radio Health Journal returns in just a moment. As many as 89% of hospitalized COVID-19 patients are at risk of a complication called cytokine storm, a leading cause of COVID death. But there's good news. Hospitals across the U.S. are enrolling patients in a trial evaluating lenzilumab, a treatment candidate designed specifically to stop this storm, even with only one day of treatment. Dr. Cameron Durant, CEO of Humanogen, the company developing lenzilumab. Having a therapeutic that can significantly reduce the time to recovery from COVID-19 and send patients home earlier could dramatically impact the arc of this pandemic. Participating in the study means access to a potential treatment option in addition to standard of care therapies. Trial participant Mark Baranski shares his experience. I don't know if I received lenzilumab or not, but I viewed the trial as doing everything I could for my recovery while contributing to the fight against COVID-19. I certainly encourage others to do the same. To learn more and find this trial near you, visit StopStorm.com. That's StopStorm.com. The American College of Physicians is celebrating National Internal Medicine Day on Wednesday, October 28th, and is proud to represent internal medicine specialists and subspecialists who make a difference in the lives of their patients every day. Internists are specialists in the diagnosis, treatment, and compassionate care of adults across the spectrum, from health to complex illness. ACP President and Internist Dr. Jacqueline Fincher. General internists are trained to diagnose complex medical problems such as hypertension or diabetes and manage acute illnesses. Some internists subspecialize in a related area such as cardiology. And in this time of COVID-19, internists are often on the front lines of public health emergencies to provide information, guidance, and care to help people stay well and out of the hospital. Internists are researchers, teachers, and administrators. They're even sometimes called the doctor's doctor, as they're often called upon to consult to other physicians and help solve puzzling issues. Find out more at acponline.org. Multiple sclerosis affects an estimated 1 million adults in the U.S. alone. In multiple sclerosis, the immune system mistakenly attacks the central nervous system, affecting a person's muscle control, balance, vision, sensation, and cognitive function. 
Though the exact causes are unknown, Epstein-Barr virus, a very common virus which causes mononucleosis, is the only risk factor identified to date that appears to be necessary for the development of MS. An investigational therapy called ATA-188 specifically recognizes Epstein-Barr virus-infected B cells. It is currently being studied in a clinical trial, which is now seeking participants. If you or someone you know is living with progressive MS and is interested in participating in the ATA-188 clinical trial, please email patientadvocacy at atarabio.com to learn more and find a trial site in your area. That's patientadvocacy at atarabio.com. A message from Greenstone, a Pfizer company. Most of us know about generic medications, drugs that work in the same way and provide the same clinical benefit as brand name medications, often at a lower price. Most generics are made by a different manufacturer than the original brand, but there is also a lesser known category of generic medications called authorized generics that are made by the same manufacturer of the brand name drug. Authorized generics, like all generics, meet FDA quality and manufacturing standards. Authorized generics are the same as the brand name drug and only differ in that they do not have the brand name on their labels and may have a different marking on the medication. In limited cases, they may have a different color. Authorized generics are not new. Greenstone has been supplying authorized generics for over 25 years. Talk to your pharmacist or visit greenstonegenerics.com to learn more and see if they manufacture an authorized generic version of the medication you take. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Radio Health Journal is a production of MediaTracks Communications. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal conservation and biodiversity loss and climate change can really no longer be separated from the field of public health and thinking about the health and well-being of all the people on the planet. A new field of science, planetary health. Then the many kinds of grief and why we can't put it on the back burner. Not dealing with grief brings its own set of complications. All that and more on Radio Health Journal.